Hey, it's Keith. It's about 11.30 p.m. on a Wednesday night in California, and I'm really tired. And it's weird because <laughs> I've been a night owl all my life and have had many bouts of insomnia over the last five years in Berlin. And I think of like a normal ideal sleep schedule as like 3 to 10 a.m. And now I'm on like a solid midnight to 7 a.m. sleep schedule. And I can't exactly say what accounts for that. I guess I am doing more typical work. My work days are a little more normal lately. Um, it's not just pure random creativity output stuff. And maybe that has to do with it. Um, I don't know. I also just wonder if I'm getting older. And I think about time and age, and obviously we all are getting older. That's how time works, it just moves forward. But I've been having some interesting conversations lately with, with various friends of different ages. And it's funny how time is kind of this construct you know it's a it's a human idea it's not a technical hard truth the way that let's say oxygen is or photosynthesis like some things are like whether we have words to describe them or not they like actually exist but time is just an, like a it's an illusion you know it's a it's a it's a way for us to make sense of this world and it's it's real in the sense that like the sun sets and rises again and the earth technically rotates around the sun so in that sense like there is something to measure but otherwise like age um is like kind of an ill-defined thing i suppose i believe in age ranges more than specific ages I place myself in this millennial age range of 1980 to 1996 or so. And as we all age, I just travel in that kind of generation. And it's become interesting to notice how this is no longer the young generation. Now, people in university and growing up and a lot of the the most uh, cutting edge, I suppose, or I don't know what word to use here, but the people that are affecting society in a way through social media and everything are Generation Z, Zoomers. And I meet these people and there's a difference <laughs> that I feel with them, but maybe not. Maybe the difference is, um, is palpable even within millennials and other age groups. But I want to tell a couple stories here to make this point clearer. And these will be personal stories of my personal life, which I don't really talk about here. It's weird, like, you know, I put my ideas out there. I like to kind of be public with my 
my thought processes and uh, I like dialogue out in the open. But of course, I don't say everything here, you know, I mean, I'm actually a private person, believe it or not. Uh, I have my friend group, my friend groups, my close friends, rather, um, not really grouped together very well anymore these days. And I confide in each of them as I see fit. But, you know, like not all topics are appropriate for each relationship. And that's kind of funny, isn't it? I mean, it's not that I want to keep secrets, but some things are just better left unsaid, I suppose. Take romance, for instance. I'm a romantic guy. I like, I enjoy my love life. I'm not married or partnered up. Uh, I'm single. Uh, and in my, in my age range of the older end of millennials, I feel a little outside of <laughs> what's typical. And I end up associating with people that are younger as a result of that. Um, generally speaking, younger millennials. And the girls that I think about the most live in Europe. So that's kind of like the main reason why I just don't absolutely adore being in California. It's just not the same. My relationships are different. Um, I do have friends here who I value. But in terms of my love life, um, things are a lot slower <laughs> in California. And, you know, I, I wonder why that is. Some of it is uh, less effort. I don't put the same kind of energy that direction. And some of it is like what the world gives back to me. And some of it is circumstantial. You know, I just haven't felt necessarily like, um, you know, a strong libido, which also, also could be an age issue. There's a lot of factors, you know, who the hell knows. But, you know, when, when thinking about my tiredness and my energy and what I want to be doing and thinking about each and every day. Obviously, girls and sex generally come to mind, but they're not at the forefront. And then I think about the energy it takes to make things happen in this world. And <laughs> I just wonder, I mean, something has to give at some point, but like, I don't know. I feel even a little embarrassed talking about it to be honest, I feel like it is personal and private, but as you know, I tend to think things through out loud in this format, so I don't want to be too bashful here. No reason to be overly shy about it. So let me try and set the scene here. Los Angeles is in a sort of lockdown. It has recently opened back up, as I've intoned here before. In the last couple of weeks, restaurants have opened. Bars have not, not technically. You're not allowed to open if you don't serve food. And if you go to a quote bar, you have to order food, which is pretty funny. The rules around coronavirus never cease to amaze me. So I go out with friends of mine, uh, either one at a time or in very small groups. And I feel very 
safe and responsible about it. I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm uh, not being reckless. Uh, I suppose some of you might think of me as a, if not a super spreader, maybe just a selfish asshole who goes out at all. I don't know what your limits are for uh, your tolerances for such behavior. Uh, you know, we all talk about like our pods and how many people are in our quarantine group and, you know, these random rules, like as if you only see three people, then you're safe. But if you see five, you're not safe. And if you have a little get together and it's six, it's like suddenly dangerous as if, you know, as if adding one more person who has the same very low likelihood of being infectious as the other five people that suddenly you're at risk and you're you know doing something wrong and you should be ashamed of yourself yada yada i mean all this is really ridiculous to me so i go out here and there um not a lot because like i said my social life just isn't really the same in in los angeles as a result of not having lived here for a long time and, uh, you know, I still make do because we have to socialize somehow a little. And when I'm out, I notice people. I look around. I have eyes. I, I see. And I'll go one step further uh, in my personality. I am more of a kind of hunting type, I suppose. Uh you know, one thing about the animal kingdom and the way that people interact with one another. I definitely have keen sight and will approach people. I don't think it's crazy. I think it's pretty normal, though I've dealt with a lot of uh, pushback, not from women in the world, but from like friends or other styles of attitudes in the world, you know, that are obviously... Um, you know, the kind of people that just wait for whatever moment to come to them. There are prey, you know, masculine and feminine. There are whatever. I don't I don't want to go too into this kind of analogy. I think you understand what I mean. So whenever I go out, I do notice people around me, you know, and it's not impossible for me to ignore them. But, you know, this last weekend, I noticed somebody, let's say. And, you know, I don't know what to say exactly. Like, uh, I'm a warm-blooded man. You know, I think that's all that needs to be said. That is not technically in a relationship. So I thought I would, like, try and say hi. But during coronavirus, it's, like, kind of impossible to do that. Because the tables are all distanced. And the... <laughs> the energy of America in general is already one of distrust of strangers and of staying, like keeping your head down, staying in your own little circle. Like people don't make eye contact here. It's really sad to me. Coming from Europe where everybody looks at each other, it is just so weird that like you never even have an opening for magic. And... It's kind of uh, tormenting how relentless this active introversion is in the real world. 
out in supermarkets, out in restaurants, out in a park, and just walking on the street, like, especially with coronavirus, I mean, it's just made it so much worse, you know, like now, it's as if looking, pointing your face in someone's direction is wrong. Even if you have a mask, like you're not allowed to like, even point your nose in someone's direction. That's how like, intense this kind of messaging is and why I why I disdain it so much. I just think it's so wrong to train ourselves to distrust one another so actively, so strongly. I hate it. I really hate it. And I always feel this way as a man, given that obviously men are the number one threat to women statistically. And that it's just a few men that ruin it for everybody. And it's the same in society. Like, there are a few wayward, derelict people that make being in public tense. Especially in a city like LA or New York or Paris. Like, there are crazy people that you just don't want in your orbit. So you learn to put a bubble around yourself and fend off anyone and everything that kind of approaches you. And it makes sense from a survivalist instinct point of view. But from my point of view, it's just lame. Because like, I might be one of these guys that might walk up to you. And maybe that's already like, not what you want. I don't know, like if you're having a bad day, or if you are in a serious relationship. But even in that case, like, I'm the kind of person that would understand that, you know? And throughout my life, I've walked up to so many strangers who caught my eye. Uh, I know how to take no. I know how to have a normal conversation. I know how to be mature. But even, like, without that experience, like, I remember even, you know, at 18 or 20 doing that and being like, oh, okay, sorry, bye. <laughs> you know, like, it hurts. Rejection hurts, even if it's not personal being rebuffed and told to scram and carry on with your own day. It's not fun. It's a little bruise to your ego because you think, why wouldn't this person want to get to know me, you know? But anyways, it happens all the time. That's just the way it is in the world. But um, I am prone to keep going because every interaction is new and a new possibility. But anyways, in... In the U.S. in 2020, 2021, this is just like impossibly difficult to manufacture chance meetings. And life is about chance meetings, in my opinion. It's not about dating apps. Everyone's on these dating apps, and I just don't really get it. Like, I don't like texting strangers. What do I say? What do, Like, hi, how are you? Or do I have to like come up with some pithy joke? Or do I just like start out with lust straight away or a compliment like I don't know I don't know what you would want to hear if I just randomly sent you a text because not everyone is the same and I'm not the same people say just be yourself just do what feels right to you but it's like that's not great advice I, I don't know why but like I don't know I've just seen too many instances where uh you know if I just feel like saying hi it's just not enough to get the attention sometimes. But in real life, it is. 
And that's what's so great about actual eye contact and pheromones and body language that you just miss out entirely, or I miss out anyways, because I, I just can't do dating apps. Anyways, um, I was with a buddy of mine, and there were two ladies nearby, and we decided to send them drinks, which is a move I've never done in my life. I've seen it in movies. And I just thought, what the hell? Like, why, why not? You know, like, let's just ask this waiter, this woman that continually checks up on us to check in on that other table and see if our table can offer them a round. And as a side, like this bar, it's called the mermaid, um, in little Tokyo, the arts district here in LA, downtown LA. It's kind of like a fun little divey spot with all the fun sucked out of it. You know, you have to, it's only out, outdoors on a very brisk weekend evening. Um, you have to stand in line, you have to queue to be seated and you watch all these people go by and say, hi, we'll be right with you. Like four different people will say that to you before, like, and you're just looking at open tables, you know, like, just let me sit down and then be right with me. And the bouncer has to tell you to read this huge placard with like 14 rules written on it. And it's like a really daunting, dense paragraph of information. Like, you want me to read this before I sit down and have a beer, you know? And then when you sit down, it's like, I don't know, it's just, I just hate, <laughs> I really hate this American style, and it is American to me. Like, this would never happen in Germany. Um, it's like this phony niceness of, like, so glad you're joining us. We'll be right with you. But then they won't be right, right with you, you know? Like, it'll be five minutes before anyone's with you. Like, just give, like, I don't know. Like, at least let me sit down and take care of myself. You know what I mean? Like... Why do I need to hump, jump through these hoops? Why are you gatekeeping the bench? I know there's some logic there of crowd control and with a disease, people are so hyper cautious about it that they think that if you sit yourself down that you're gonna spread disease. I, I don't even get the logic, if I'm honest. I don't even get it. Just tell people not to mill around table other tables or I don't even know how, like benches are crowd control. If there's no bench, no one can sit down. The bench does your job for you. If there is a bench, I don't need you to guide me to it to sit, you know? Like a table presents itself. Anyways, the reason I'm on this little tangent here is because like, I, I mentioned this to the waitress and she says, sure, of course, right away. And she like seems kind of excited that I've asked such a, a random kind of fun ask but then she doesn't do it she like walks away to a different table and starts collecting other checks it's like hello the moment is here how long do you think it's gonna last and i can feel it slipping because these girls are like about to leave and then i like try and project my voice to their table which is difficult because it's like 10 feet away and it's like a little awkward and it's like one of these <clears throat> kind of throat clearing things you know and I get their attention and then I like tell them that I want to buy them a drink. And they're gracious and they kind of demure and, uh, you know, they're bashful, but they accept. And it's kind of cute. 
But then, like, the move then would be to join them. And then suddenly I can't. You know what I mean? Okay, so this is the, this is the twist here. Nothing happens, first of all. Nothing happens. Uh, the girl that I'm trying to chat with, at some point, like, despite this distance and our friends not talking, like, somehow... Uh, we have a decent conversation that I think would actually be really nice if we were sitting closer. And we're talking about, like, doing something. And then she asks me when my last COVID test was. And it's funny because this had already happened to me in a different context where I did happen to have someone's number and was texting them. And we actually made plans to meet later that night. And then this girl said, when was your last COVID test? And I was so taken aback, like, what? Um, I guess when I flew here, but even then, like, um, everyone talked up how I needed to, like, be tested when I left Germany to come to California. And it never happened, you know? Like, I wore my mask the whole airplane, or the whole even airport experience. Maybe, like, my temperature was checked or, um, you know, I filled out a questionnaire about my health. I felt perfectly healthy. I know, I know, asymptomatic spreaders, whatever. Like, this whole meme is so exhausting. Like, the fact that you can spread without any symptoms, and then, you know, the next day you could have symptoms, and then you've spread it. But, like, every single day you don't have it, what, at least it, it, it clears the day before that you weren't contagious, right? Something like that. So if I didn't have it today, that means two days ago or three days ago, everyone I saw is safe, right? So there's all this like crazy math involved and there's all these like, there's this just the constant paranoia. And even this logic of these girls that I've ended up chatting with about this, like apparently if you get tested every week, this somehow makes you safe. And maybe getting tested on a Monday and getting your results on Tuesday or Wednesday means that you're okay for the weekend. And then you can go and live your life on the weekend. Like, how does that even make sense? Like, you could still catch it Thursday or Friday, can't you? And if you go out Friday with your friends and then you have a date on Saturday or vice versa, you can still spread it to the other group, can't you? Like, I don't even understand. Like, if you need everyone to be tested recently... Wouldn't you want them to have results, like a negative result, when they show up to your event, like literally that day? I mean, anything else seems superfluous. And it's like, at that point, what's the difference between a one-week-ago test and a one-month-ago test, or even a never test? Like, I was healthy a week ago. I know it factually that I was healthy a week ago. And if I had symptoms tomorrow, it's because I got it yesterday not seven days ago. So I don't even understand the logic. Now, here's where this age thing comes back. Both of these girls were Gen Zers. And I suspect this is like a new normal to young people. And I've always thought of myself as a young person. But now I'm wondering if like my skepticism and over it attitude about lockdowns disqualifies me from being a young person. I almost feel like Gen Zers, like anyone under 22 right now, 
are like a really coddled, overcautious group, generally speaking, as a generation. And that given that they're completely raised on technology, that they've fully embraced all social media, it's almost like they're not bothered that life is on Zoom or something. I, that can't be true. I'm sure you should call me out on that because I can't even imagine why anybody would literally be all in on that kind of stuff. But it just does seem... Now, granted, this is an extremely small sample size of two girls in L.A., but it just feels like a thing. Am I crazy for, for sensing that? And I probably am, I don't know, building this false narrative in my own mind because I know that you, my very dear listener, also follow your own rules about... Um, social distancing and locking down and quarantining and that you're not 22 necessarily. So obviously this is kind of a faulty premise, but I think I just sensed in myself like, Hmm, I am not as concerned and acting as worried. We're both out at this bar. We're, but we're all out trying to like meet each other in some way. So why am I disqualified on, and I'm thinking it's on the basis of not having been tested in the last week. I feel like it's just like a, a dog whistle that I am like ineligible. Is that weird? It's probably something else, right? These girls probably went onto my social media and thought, eh, pass. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And this is also the weird thing, like, as a podcast listener of mine, you probably think of me as a very forthright, what you see is what you get, I'm just going to be me, take it or leave it, this kind of thing. When in reality, like, I actually like uh, trying to get along with people and um, holding back here and there for the sake of, like, smoothness, because this is a lesson I've been taught many, many times in my life. Basically, every single one of my friends has said, Keith, you know, don't be so extra here and there. Like, dial it back. You don't have to say everything you think. Like, I've always heard this. And I, I suppose in my journey, I try and learn that, you know? And it's just, it, it's one of these things of like, what do you do? Like, what does it mean to be yourself? What does it mean to be true to yourself? And it takes me a lot of time to figure that out. It takes me years and years to really want, like know what that means. And I guess I still don't know. I don't know. Like, I suppose if I met somebody that I had any spark with at a bar, even like non-romantically, you know, it could be a colleague, it could be... Um, you know, a new friend, it could be a, an exciting new creative, you know, endeavor, whatever. I suppose, like, I should lead with my most strong opinions of, like, I don't know, being tired of the lockdown, for instance, or how Europeans are just way more chill and friendly because they make eye contact and actually talk. Like, it's only in America where I've ever been straight up ignored as if the person is not even hearing me literally like you say hey how are you on the street and they don't even turn their head that doesn't happen 
anywhere else in my experience, in my own experience. And granted, this is like a very small sample size of anecdotal evidence, but I've, ha I've done that a lot in my life. And in every single country in the world, you get at least a polite, oh, sorry, I don't have time or hi, what do you need? Oh, actually, no, whatever, you know. But in America, and it's not just California, in Seattle, in New York, people will just ignore you. It is so rude. It is so damn rude. I can't believe that people do that. But anyways, um, I don't really understand how people are making such judgments of other people. And now I get it. Again, I get having a defense, having your guard up, being wary of strangers generally because some strangers are dangerous. A very small statistical minority of them, but that danger is very scary. So might as well be guarded. But really, is that really how you want to live life? I guess like for more for normal people in normal circumstances, you meet enough people through your work and through school and through your own social groups and parties. Like why bother meeting anyone that's actually a stranger? I guess that's true. And I think I forgot that in America because I remember that being the case in New York. Like you don't need to meet a full-on stranger. You, why, you might as well have at least one person vouch for them, one degree of separation of like vetted, being vetted. Like if somebody brings you to a party and like it's such a popular thing, right? We all ask this question. So why are you here? Like, who do you know here? How, how did you, how'd you get here? Like everybody asks this and for good reason. Like there are plenty of moments when people are like, oh, I just wandered in. I'm like, uh, creepy dude you know like that happens but am i a creepy dude <laughs> i don't think so but i've played one by accident i suppose uh ladies i have to um open myself up to your own judgment and critique here because i do feel and I even have some evidence um, from studying this topic a bit that females are, uh, how do I say this without just sounding like a purely biological essentialist? I guess I'll just risk it. And that's what I should be doing more often is just risking it. I'm just gonna put it out there even if I don't necessarily believe it after saying it. I think women are natural selectors and that they have a certain, uh, critical thinking to say yes or no and more often no than men do i think that women have to do that biologically speaking that that the body itself is a barrier and that there is this very reasonable barrier to entry and that's what sex is like who you open yourself up to matters it's like a very careful decision process and I'm very aware of that I'm very sensitive to that um, but I think as men it makes us feel so hurt and so wounded you know our egos are so bruised by rejection because it because it does come down to that like we're not good enough we're not accepted and it, it's significant and it's why people don't put themselves out there very much. People don't want to try so hard because it's like 
the likelihood is failure. Think of every sperm cell ever. <laughs> you know, I mean, the ch what are the chances? What are the fucking chances? Now, granted, we're not all just sperm cells. Um, but, you know, whenever I do see couples now, now that it's been a minute since I've been in an actual relationship, I, I always just wonder to myself, how? <laughs> how did it happen? How, how do two people find each other? I've found a lot of people in my life, and none of them have, like, ended in the, like, storybook way, you know? And it's kind of a miracle that people make things work, that you even got in the front door with the person you're with in the first place, you know? Like, that's already something. Cheers to the matchmakers out there. So, yeah, I wanted to bring up another thing about age, which is astrology. Um, I have some friends that are really into, like, astrology and, like, what's your sign and what that means. And I just have to say how silly that sounds to me. Like, I think it's a fun game, like, if you're into it, but I'm not. And I sometimes feel bad that I'm not because it's like, I don't mean it as like a judgment against people that are. It's not a religion. I don't feel like people actually uh, manifest danger into the world based on their ideology the way that religious people can do. I think astrology is a pretty safe, tame belief system as far as quote, belief systems go, but I'll be damned if I let the random day I was born on dictate my life, you know, like it just seems too random, and I just know, knowing people that are born around the same time or on the same day, like how different they are, like what is the through line here, what is it, you know, so I just don't see it as being helpful. I just see it as another way of forming prejudice. And I think that's why I don't like to talk about certain things that become discussions like age or race or even political opinions. Like, I don't want to tell you so that you then make a judgment of me based on this little thing, you know? I'd rather you spend a little more time with me and get to know my tastes and preferences and attitudes in a chunk of time and make your opinion of me based on that, you know what I mean? And I don't want to know those details about you either, you know? Like, I would rather know your favorite season because it that kind of question gives you the chance to actually build a little story, a little narrative about why you like certain things and what you might like and how you might prefer, let's say, being cuddled up and cozy in a, by a fire versus frolicking through a field, catching butterflies. Like, that's kind of an interesting difference, you know? And I, I don't know, I just find that, like, these kind of things, these kind of facts about you, the kind of movies you like, do you like, uh, do you like science fiction? Do you like romance? Are you into indie movies? Or do you really prefer, like, 
the big budget fantasy or blockbuster action stuff you know like do you like horror that says a lot more about you to me than your age and i can deduce your age based on how you behave what kind of media you consume which apps you use you know facebook instagram snapchat and tiktok all cater to different kinds of people based largely on age and yeah i mean if you tell me that you use facebook i know that you're very unlikely younger than i am <laughs> you're most likely older or at least uh you know there are factors like that you can be maybe younger but from a country where it came later for instance um you know if you use snapchat uh i know about how you're about my age but you're slight you're younger you know like you're like a younger millennial um and maybe in gen z uh, because few people in my age range jumped onto that when instagram was already there and then adopted a lot of snapchat's features so that's fine like that's what divides us if you only use snapchat and i only use instagram that's a divider not the age not the number you know so <sighs> yeah i'm just wondering about this stuff lately i'm wondering if it's worth wondering at all actually um but it did occur to me that maybe i'm paranoid or maybe i'm like attributing certain things here and there that i don't need to do and maybe i'm just self-conscious maybe because i've been feeling more like tired after a day that i just have less interest in the world frankly i don't care what's going on out there very much like people are talking about trump's impeachment and you know these are my close friends talking about it and i didn't even know that was happening and as they talked i was glad to not know i don't care at all that trump i don't know what wasn't impeached or like the process was started but then didn't work or whatever like who cares I don't know maybe you can tell me why i could, should care but um it's one of those things out in the world where i think the older you get the more you just realize that you're good you don't need more info you know like everybody kind of uh grows into their favorite music their favorite period and then it kind of eventually stops and I still consume new music, you know, Spotify will share with me new things that I like and I'll watch new vaporwave YouTube videos and discover new artists and watch new things being created, which is nice. And even some pop music can seep in there and I'll think, oh, this is nice, a nice trend, this kind of, you know, electronic beat, whatever stuff. But in the end, I know that like the mid 2010s were it for me for music like i don't know if it'll ever get better than the strokes and lcd sound system and arcade fire and vampire weekend and this kind of era of music justice and phoenix and 
techno from this era. Like, I just will always love that music. And I just feel like listening to that now more than... I don't even know what's out right now. So, yeah, there are these kind of signs of, like, getting old, I think. Like, that is a sign, I think, of, like, just having less interest in discovery. But then, at the same time, my mind is open enough that I'm just always thirsty to discover things. They just... Those things change. Those things change. And... It makes me think about family, you know, like that is a world of discovery waiting. It's like a whole, it's a whole life path that is yet to be unlocked in this video game. And it would be interesting. And even like home ownership and like homemaking and collecting records or caring about duvets and linen sets or what kettle is the best or what kind of you know television is best for both apple tv and chromecasting with the best uh, contrast and viewing angles like consumer choices are kind of I mean that sounds really yuppie of me I realize but like everything is like a possibility to get into and care about you know why does that have to be music so yeah I just find that find that interesting there's probably something scientific there to be said that like the brain is so thirsty for different sounds that young people just obsess over music so much more than older people and that over time the brain kind of like settles into a clearer understanding of music as a concept or as a thing and then doesn't crave for it as much anymore kind of like how we grow out of sweets like kids love candy they love it candy is not interesting to me at all like, sometimes I want a piece of chocolate or, like, a bite of ice cream. But, like, I don't care about candy, <laughs> you know? It, it's, like, not... Uh, it's never, ever on my mind. But when I was a kid, like, with Halloween and stuff, like, I loved candy. Like, I would fantasize... I honestly had a fantasy when I was younger. Like, you know, this this task or this um, exercise. You can do it now with me. Picture yourself in a totally uh, serene, beautiful moment. Uh, you, it can be anything. And you're just totally at peace and you're happy. You're totally satisfied. You know, what is it? What is this scene? And what I had come up with, and I don't know why I remember this. I must have been like eight or ten. I pictured myself in like, a lounge chair, like a beach chair or a chaise lounge, um, in the sun, but with shade. And, you know, my torso is reclined on this thing and both arms were, on which my arms are resting. They have these like little spaces for different candies, like a, a candy shop, how it has like those trays, you know, of like Whatever, like that you can take by the spoonful or whatever and so I pictured like a lounge chair 
with like dozens of different candies at my fingertips that I could choose from. And I would just like reach and try this thing and then that thing. And this was like my paradise. This was like what I imagined heaven would be like. Isn't that funny? Like, I guess there's like some symbolism there. Like the candy now could represent plenty of other things. <laughs> but I liked candy. <laughs> I just grew out of that entirely. And I guess I'm just a little scared isn't the right word nervous neither but i'm a little apprehensive about growing out of other things music okay if i grow out of like brand new music it's not the end of the world if something's really good i'll hear it but i already know what i love and i that will always be there and even like i don't know like I guess like my whole life as an artist pursuing my passion to a very middling extent forever in obscurity undiscovered and unable to market my own myself properly like I'll never have this kind of career success that some of my friends have or that you know obviously famous people have and the older I get maybe I just don't care like, whatever, you know, like, okay, well, fine, I won't be that, no big deal, whereas, like, when I was 22, like, that would terrify me, like, if I couldn't be a filmmaker when I was 22, like, that was the end of the world to me, like, that was so devastating, to, like, that depressed me, that literally gave me depression, that that was a dream I might not be able to fulfill, and now it's like, well, I'll be fine, <laughs> you know, like, I'll still wake up and, like, fill my days quite leisurely, like, it's not a big deal, you know, like, I can take pictures for myself if, like, if I don't gain more collectors of my photography, whatever, you know, if I'm not in the MoMA or, like, hanging in the LACMA by the time I'm 60, like, oh, well, I guess that didn't happen, you know, and, like, when I get that kind of attitude, that's what makes me feel like I'm getting older, like, that kind of, like, resignation, that kind of um, acceptance of fate or something. But scarier still is, like, aging out of lust, you know? Like, how much I've craved companionship of women. <laughs> I mean, it's really been... It's like, when you feel that, and I'm sure many of you have felt that kind of thing somehow... It's like nothing else matters in the world. It's so inducing of obsession. It makes one's it, it makes a person so single-minded and focused on that thing. And it's a curse really. It's a fucking terrible annoyance to be burdened with that kind of desire especially if there's no direct way to do something about it. And society doesn't really give us options to do something about it. The U.S. doesn't anyway. And I'm kind of happy to not feel that anymore. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. I don't know. I guess this is what it means to be, like, growing up. I guess. I don't know. Um, but I, it worries me that, like, I could lose the energy to find the kinds of things that could really improve my quality of life, like a partner, like some sort of career success. Like those things are so meaningful. People talk about them incessantly for their whole lives for a reason. It's because they really do improve your life, or at least they can do. There are obviously examples where they don't. There are plenty of people we all know who hate their glamorous careers and their families. <laughs> I guess people are less apt to say directly that they hate their families, but we all know it's there. There's that resentment of settling down perhaps too soon or with the wrong person, of shackling yourself with a certain burden. Um, generally. Uh, I'm sure it doesn't apply to you, and let's hope we know fewer and fewer of these kind of people. But if we do, I mean, my sympathies go to them. That's for sure. And I've been in plenty of conversations with mates of mine where it's like, you know, we'll each, you know, it's that classic. There's a, <laughs> there's a movie, there's a Jason Bateman movie about this where you want to switch places or something. Like, wish you had, I wish I had your life of like, the stability, settled down, reliable salary every year, increase, um, you know, the house that you'll live in for decades and watch your kids go to school and, get, you know, whatever. Your responsibilities are all laid out in front of you and you just have to, to put one foot in front of the other and it will, it will all happen. Versus, like, the life I've led of, I don't know where I'll be in a month. You know, like, I don't know what next week will look like at all. I mean, I have some sense I can create some stability. Um, but in general, to live like that is fun. But it's the kind of fun that's especially good for the first half of your life. And I wonder, again, if I'm 60, if it'll still be as fun. So as I sit here recording this at 59, it makes me wonder. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so that's it. That's what I'm thinking about. <sighs> Aging through time. All right, guys. Until next time. Ciao.